Hello and welcome to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and we are here to help you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around you. As always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. There are several ways you can do so. You can follow us on all of our social media. We are on Twitter, at Zero Radio. That is the show handle. And my personal handle is at Lorenzo T. Neal. Also, uh, follow us on Facebook. Go to the Facebook page, Zero Network, and like that page. And you can see all shows dating back from several years. You can go back there and listen to that. So do that. Also, follow us on um, send us an email at zero publishing or at uh, pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail.com however you want to do that we just appreciate the fact that you are joining us and listening and we want to invite you to continue to do so if you have not gone to the page uh, go to blog talk radio slash zero today go and follow the show uh, we need more listeners and most we can we appreciate it also we have a new youtube channel that's out so you can go to zero today dr lorenzo neal zero today um and go and like that page subscribe hit the bell for notifications and you can follow uh as we do live shows all of that we're going to be do expanding there so we appreciate your support there uh I can't think of anything else that I can say right about there. But anyway, so today I want to talk about Kanye West. I love talking about Kanye West. I don't know why I like like talking about Kanye West. Maybe because he's he's good people. He 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 made good music. I I can't talk about the music as of late. But yeah, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but Kanye West is featured on Forbes magazine's August or July. I think it's July. Yeah, July. Uh, cover or August cover that's out now in July. One of the two, y'all. Anyway, he's he's on the cover of that, and it, there's an interview that he did. And I have read the interview, and I want to share some of the insights from uh, some of the things that he said about his uh, how his faith is impacting his life and his work now, and the meticulousness that goes into his his work is a reflection of his radical obedience to Christ. And we're going to talk about that. Is that really Christian? Is he really Christian? What is really going on? We're going to talk about that. But before we get into that discussion, I really feel I have to address this issue. Um, if you've been alive <laughs> in the last few weeks, or last few days, you, you've, you've seen the news about uh, President Trump's tweets and um, the back, the firestorm and backlash that's come about from those tweets, and I just have to give my little two cents on that, and I'm, I'm gonna do this because I can, plain and simple, I can. Um, it, he, the tweets were, and I, I don't have the quotes in front of me, so I'm not going to quote, but I am going to paraphrase, as I understand. He's basically said that there are persons who are serving in the country who seem to disappreciate not appreciate the country and they if they don't like it they should go back to their countries of origin now that's a paraphrase and um the media said uh, implied that he was targeting four persons of color uh in the united states congress four women of color in the united states congress one in particular who we know is an immigrant um who is a nationalized citizen of the United States uh, I'm, uh, from Somalia, I believe. And um, the others are 
descendants of immigrants and it created a racial firestorm it caused Congress to to um, pass a resolution um, decrying the the um, tweets as racist and it had a lot of persons across the aisle highly disappointed at our president and I'm going to be one of those persons also. I am disappointed, but I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed um, largely because of the attention that it's getting. I'm not so much disappointed as what he said or what he tweeted. I mean, that was, if you have known President Trump long enough and you followed him long enough, you know that he likes stirring up the pot of controversy. He likes throwing himself into a headline, even if he doesn't need to be in the headline. He just likes the attention. That's the narcissist part of him that we have all come to love and appreciate. And I'm saying that very sarcastically. Um, so I am, I'm, I'm not, it doesn't bother me that he said that because he does things like that. That's just how he operates. Um, whether you're a supporter of Trump or not, you've come to realize that he will just say and do things just because he can. And he's been getting right away with that for a better part of his life. And he's carried that into his presidency. And I, I, I'm surprised that people are, are at all entertaining all of this. Now, uh, I do understand because of the office that he holds that it should be expected that he behave a little better. But we we should have learned <laughs> we should learn that watching the presidential debates we 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 learn his character and his character is who he is he is the same in front of the camera as he is off the camera that that is president trump that is who america elected to be president of the united states uh, so i'm not so much disappointed as the tweets i am disappointed at the attention that we've been giving to this Largely because um, I go back to an article I wrote about a nostalgic regression. I believe I, blah, 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 I can't believe it. I believe that we are experiencing some serious nostalgic regression, and by that I mean that we are trying to find a way to get back to this time where we feel we have to fight for someone or somebody. Now, let me clarify that. We're always fighting. We should always be on the side of the oppressed. As God was on the side of the oppressed, uh, Jesus was on the side of the oppressed, we should be on the side of the oppressed. Unfortunately, I don't see as much oppression as here in the States as there once was. Now, there are still individuals and there are still pockets of racism here and there. I think in some sense, racism is systemic. I believe there, uh, it, it is some to some degree institutionalized within the cultural context of our country, particularly here in the Deep South. We we still see facets of racism, and that is undeniable. So I am not going to say that at all. But here's the thing: uh, when it comes to the idea of oppression, I don't believe. That really truly exists as we want it to do today. Um, so when it comes to LGBTQIA rights, when it comes to uh, Latinos, Hispanics rights, when it comes to African Americans or black rights, we are better off than we were 60 years ago by far. Much better off. Uh, there are still instances, <laughs> and we just, that was just an article, um, a news story that came across. 
uh, last week where this white security officer brandished a weapon at a, a black police officer on duty in uniform with a weapon. <laughs> it was just funny. But so there in, in the number of numerous stories of uh, persons of non-melanated skin and <laughs> white people's white people who some in some way somehow felt infringed upon or afraid or fearful and they called 911 for no apparent reason on people of color so yeah those those instances are there but when we're talking about uh full onset oppression that is not there so uh there now discrimination and oppression are not the same thing so i'm not saying that doesn't exist there are still pockets of discrimination especially against the lbgtq IA community so we can't we can't dispute that but discrimination and oppression are not the same thing and I believe um, when we fight for civil justice I mean civil rights or social justice or whatever you would like to call it when we do acts of social justice or bring awareness to acts of injustice against people of color or um, um, or against communities that are, are not mainstream, not populist, uh, however you want to put it. I can't really take that. But anyway, when we when we do things like that, when we see things like that, when we we see it openly, we can call it we can call it oppression. When there is a when it's systemic, particularly ingrained it and integrated into the system of way we live, as it was with Jim Crow during the days of Jim Crow, when it was you know, part not just of a culture, but also part of law. Then we can say that. And we don't have that issue today. We do not have laws of oppression. We do not have institutes, institutions of oppression. Now, I will kind of argue that by saying, yeah, in some cases, the the religious institutes are functioning in that capacity. When particularly, when we look in America today, and we look at the white evangelical Christians um, who overwhelmingly support Donald Trump, President Trump, um, then that that gives a sense that that this is a institution system that is supporting what they believe. Um, and what others would call supremacy, nationalism, white nationalism, or anything like that. I don't think that's the case, but that is how it's come across. And when it comes across like that, you know, it it is what it is. And then there is laws. That is when uh, policymakers get together, lawmakers get together, legislators get together, and intentionally create laws that... Uh, not just discriminate, but intentionally oppress those particular groups. So, in, in in you know, with Jim Crow, it was strategic implementing laws to uh, undergird their prejudice, and that that was the case, and and may have been the case with some sodomy laws also. In, in, but uh, in many cases, those laws have been reversed. Those laws have got, they're no longer on the books. They're no longer practiced. So in that sense, there is no oppression. There is no oppression. However, when while there is no oppression, there are still pockets of discrimination. 
and we must if discrimination if that discrimination is founded and is 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 found to be true and unjust then we must fight against that that's that's just what we must do we are a country of equality all or one from many one as we you know believe in America so we want everyone to have fair and civil rights you know we want everyone to be treated fairly we want everyone to have the same opportunities that does not put you know that's separate from I mean separate for from equal rights and I'm not even going to get into that but well you know equitably we want equitable opportunities for everyone in this country and we see that happening now anybody can do anything in this country and that's the amazing thing about this country from religious freedom and religious liberty we get to experience to the lifestyle and social actions that we get to experience in this country so so when i talk about regressive nostalgia nostalgic regression i'm saying that for some some groups uh, those who have a passion for social justice, social action, they want to see that come back. They want to be able to fight for somebody, for something, and they're creating this dissonance. They're creating this. It, it's unintentional. You know, they, they, they have sincere hearts. They see people being wronged, and they want to come to the aid of those persons. But in doing so, they want, they want to be seen as some type of liberty, you know, warrior for justice and all that i think that's the coin social justice warriors that's being used um and just from me from my perspective i believe we're in, in that perspective we're creating more dissonance than uh doing away with it we're 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 broadening the scope of the, the divisiveness within a country instead of closing the gap um and so I, I think uh, President Trump and those around him have have tapped into that idea. They have tapped into that stream of thought of dissonance. Well, if they want dissonance, we'll give them dissonance. And we'll give them something to keep fighting. And while they're fighting, I'll get to do whatever I want. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that is the case. Please do not take that to be literal. I'm just, I'm just talking. But the thing about it is, is it's amazing that in, in all of this that's happening uh, in, in response and reaction to uh, a presidential tweet, it, is, it should be serving us to help us be more aware that we are not, we are not anywhere close to being free from the pain and free from the injustice of the past because we're trying to in so many ways trying to recreate it to make it happen instead of just letting it happen and there's some other counter arguments i can insert there and i'd love to hear some of your opinions and insights to that uh you know i'm not the only one that got two cents five cents six cents a dollar I'm not the only one that, so I would love, I welcome your comments, and feel free, uh, if you're listening, this is pre-recorded, so if you're listening, uh, send us an email, we'd love to hear from you, also, is, you know, drop a comment on the Facebook page, drop a comment, we'd love to create the dialogue, I want to hear from you about that, but I said all of that to say that I think we are in some very dangerous times, 
um, for reactivity. And no, I'm I'm not talking about uh, a civil war or anything like that. I'm just talking about from the perspective of differentiation. We are at a very dangerous time because we are overly reactive instead of engaging and and, and encountering each other. Uh, you know, and there there are pockets where this is happening, but it's so small. And let, let let me use my state, Mississippi, as an example of this. Now, Mississippi is located in the deep south. Mississippi has a very, 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 very dark history when it comes to racial oppression, when it comes to discrimination, and all of that. And I'm not just talking about from 50 and 60 years ago. I'm talking about even just within a few years when we, you know, the state passed laws. Uh, under the guise of religious freedom and religious liberty when they're really kind of like discrimination laws. Kind of like. Kind of like. But even in that, in this state that is very conservative, in a state where the uh, politicians who are running for statewide, local, local statewide governments are using Trump as lateral movement to say that they align with Trump is almost guaranteed that they'll be elected and the more they can say that they align with Trump the more they can say that they are <laughs> you know they 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 will stand with President Trump the more likely they believe that they those who are supporting them or those they desire to, to support them will do so but even in that we are find I have found in Mississippi that we are very progressive we are very embracing of other cultures, other ethnicities. We, you come here, you find a, a true melting pot. <laughs> you find that southern comfort, southern um, goodness, kindness, welcoming. You know, and yeah, there's still pockets in here in, in some areas that are still just redneck capitals. <laughs> you just can't deny that. But overwhelmingly. Um, it we, we this is a state that is reflecting culturally a little bit what the United States is becoming, not what it is, but what it is becoming. And you know we we want we have this idea of what it what it is and what we think it is, but what it is not is what we're seeing, and what we're seeing you got you have to blame both you have to shift put blame on President Trump and you have to put blame on media and those who are reacting to both. So that's just my two cents. I, I, I do hope, I really do hope that we can become less reactionary, especially with President Trump. That's just, he is what he is. And there are going to be those of us who say, hey, he's doing, he's doing what he said he would do as president. And you see this Comedy economy happening, you see all this stuff happening, and you know, give him credit where his credit, and then there'll be those of us who will say, um, impeach him now, <laughs> get him out, and let Mike Pence be president. <laughs> Lord have mercy, that's neither here nor there. I, you know, I, I shouldn't even say that, that is just crazy, but that is just how it is. The reality is, until we become less reactionary, we won't see the type of government, the type of community, the type of nation that we really want to be. And we can't be facetious in stating the facts that we are divided. 
and what divides us is more imagined than real. It really is. It's more imagined than real. It's more created than being creative. You know, we create this chaos. And we create it because we we have a need for the drama. And I'm speaking in generalities. We don't individually don't have a need. Most of us don't desire drama in our life. We certainly don't desire to see it in our political systems. We don't. And we have the power to engage and serve this present world and change that. We have the power to do that. And I believe we should go forth and do it. That is what we should do. All right. I think I have rambled enough regarding that topic. So let's move on to the topic of the day. Let's move on to the topic of the day. Kanye West. Kanye West and his radical obedience to Christ. Is he Christian? Is he Christian? What's going on in his head? So, let me put this quick plug in before we do that. Uh, If you have not had the opportunity to do so, I want to invite you to go to uh, my website, LorenzoTNeal.com, and I wanted you to get a copy of my latest book, Reflections from the Pastor Study. You can do that. It's only $15. You could also go to, it's also available on Amazon as a Kindle book for $5.99 and paperback for $15. So, and if you go to my website, you have the opportunity to get uh, two books for the price of one uh, $25 for two books, uh, Preaching the Family and, and, um, Reflections from the pastor's study. So go do that. Appreciate it so much. All right. On to Kanye West. Now, I was reading the magazine, Forbes magazine article on Kanye West. And if you have not, I invite you to go on to read it. Uh, it's titled Kanye's Second Coming Inside the Billion Dollar Yeezy Empire. And it was written by... Um, Zach O'Malley, I think. Zach O'Malley Greenberg. Yeah. So, so in this, in this article, in this article, the, the writer, the author is basically getting inside the head of Kanye West. What makes Kanye West think? And how, how is he being both rebranded, reborn, Beyond his musical career. Because if you're not aware. (laughs) Kanye has been really reinventing himself. This year more than any other time in his life. Um, He's he's been. He's come out converted as a conservative. uh, Trump supporter. And you know. He was disavowed. (laughs) Disowned. Disinvited from the black cookout. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> can't come to the cookout no more, Kanye. You ain't black no more. Uh, for his for his relationship with Donald Trump, he has um, come out and and introduced this this Sunday service that he and his wife uh, have been holding there somewhere. The locations are always private and you know exclusive, but they. Well, and and I talked about his Sunday services and the exclusivity of it, and also how is this actually 
he's using this to refine how people perceive Christianity or his view of Christianity. So I, I'm, I'm not going to jump ahead of that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But he, you know, bringing church to unchurched folk, you know, and 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 it's just it's he's Kanye. He's just did it. He's just started doing it, and it's been catching on. <laughs> and you know, it, it is what it is. Not only that, but his uh, shoe brand, his sneaker brand, has already is already looking like it's going to surpass uh, Jordans. I mean, that's how lucrative it is. His his sneaker brand. I think the article says it's pulled up nearly one point five billion dollars in sales already. That's I mean, wow. Um, it, it's just it, it's just something to think that um that Kanye West this this rapper from Chicago this college dropout. Who worked for Jay Z, who is credited with providing the nucleuses, the nucleus of Jay Z's masterful uh, blueprint album. This guy, who who we we have seen publicly have meltdowns. But in the midst of that, he keeps coming back. He has not stopped. He has not quit. He he has found a way to rebrand himself. He, he's he's the Black Madonna. <laughs> he he's the Black Madonna. Uh, Madonna. I'm not talking about the you know the in the spiritual you know the religious sense. I'm talking about the the music artist Madonna. If you're familiar with her, she has reinvented herself <laughs> several times. From the 80s to, you know, when she was who she was to the 90s, becoming a more sultry, sultry type of woman. And, that, and then after she became a mother, you saw her become motherly. And, and now she's in her 60s and, and and she's still reinventing herself and still putting out music that reflects her reinvention. It's just amazing like that. And I see Kanye as that. I see Kanye... <laughs> That's the black Madonna. <laughs> Am I wrong for that? <laughs> God, yeah, is the black Madonna. But he has found a way to uh, reinvent or rebrand himself. Uh, think about, you know, during the, during the first phase of his career, he he was the the preppy boy, you know, the preppy boy who just happened to, to fall into rapping and made rapping cool. You know, and smart because of his intellect that he put into his music, and it reflected that he actually thought about this. This wasn't just some rhymes on the paper. This was deep, reflective thinking, a process that he put into motion to create this music, and that got people, even like me, listening to it because I did. I mean, even though I grew up in the the, the early parts of hip hop and you know and I, I followed it and I listened to it. I mean, he got me listening to that style that I really didn't appreciate. And then he drops the Jesus Walks and wow, you know, I'm like, Shoo Brother is deep. Brother 
He's deep. He's deep. He's really deep, and he's bold putting out music like that. And then after the death of his mother, I think it was around 2007, after the death of his mother, we saw a different Kanye. We, we saw this man falling apart. We saw him after he had breaking, broken up with his fiance and the album that he put out, uh, the music they put out after that reflected that, the intensity of emotions that was presented in that music. It was, I mean, wow. I, I listened to it and I was like, whoa, again, this is deep. This this brother is, he he's on something, he, you know, <laughs> he's on something. But we saw him unraveling. And then we saw him just become something weird altogether as he delved into electronic music and he used this auto tone and, you know, he was singing and it, it was decent. I mean, it sold. It, it was catchy. It was poppy. And it was all of that stuff. But it, it, it just, it was weird to see a black hip-hop artist go this route. And, and he wasn't the only one who went this route. It's just that, you know, his were more, was the more prominent of that um, particular time. And, you know, we saw others try to imitate it, and it, it didn't work. And and then he got into the fashion business, and <laughs> I, I can't talk about that. I am not going to talk about that. But he got into the fashion business and reinvented himself, of course, after marrying Kim Kardashian. Uh, and all of that came with that and, and with the naming of his children, um, all, I, I understand he has four children now. I didn't know that. I, when I was reading the article, I read that he has four children. I thought yeah, I, I didn't know he had four children, and they all have unique names. He even named one Chicago. <laughs> who, who does that? <laughs> you know, we. I was laughing when he named his first one North, <laughs> but <laughs> Lord have mercy, but. He he found his way uh, through his various crises, and he has managed to kind of rebrand, reinvent himself in some way. And this year has been very, very, very interesting year because I believe the article states that you know he he tweeted that he was fifty three million dollars in debt. He uh, got the support from Mark Zuckerberg infused a billion dollars or something I may be saying it wrong you can go to the article reference again and I'll get the correct information I I, I just read it to kind of I read through it and I don't remember exact details but it's there <coughs> excuse me but anyway so this year he he he's he's Again, in the process of rebranding, and and um, this article attempts to bring that to for it, you know, to the forefront. So, the article um, talks about his thinking and his processing, and there are two things that two quotes particularly that stood out to me um, when he was meeting with the article with the author of the article and noticed the shoes that he was wearing. And he, Kanye states that uh, the first sketch of sneakers that he designed was that shoe, uh, a Jordan brand, I believe. And he said that, <laughs> he quotes, God has a way of lining things up. 
and this is in reference as as I am interpreting it. I'm not in his head, but the, the it's inferring that God ordained that Kanye would sketch that shoe, and in time to come, Kanye himself would produce a shoe that would be just as prosperous as the shoe he first sketched. God has a way of lining things up. That sounds very Christian. It sounds very Christian because we like to say, uh, God always work it out. All things work together for the good of those who love. <laughs> you know, and God does have a way of, of of lining things up. I, you know, if you believe in the ordination process of God for or predestination, however you would like to put it, the foreknowledge of God, you you would believe that things don't just happen, that some things are preordained. Your birth was preordained. Your your profession, you you know, you didn't just make a decision, you know, if you're walking in a gift and purpose, then that was preordained. And and any fortune that comes up to you that is particularly good or favorable is preordained and lined up as as would put it now you know I, there is no explicit scripture for that um although in Paul in Ephesians allude to the idea of predestination but um predestination is, as we understand it theologically meant that we were uh, preordained to be children of God, redeemed from the curse of sin, and um, you know to be inherited, uh, joint heirs with Abraham and the fathers, the promises, the covenant God gave to Abraham, and so that's how we understand it. And there are a lot of people who will quote Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the thoughts I have for you, thoughts of peace to give you an anxiety and. And I'm paraphrasing that, and I'm not speaking it directly. And um, I I believe that it's misappropriated contextually. You know, you can you could use it. I'm sure, uh, as we do many scriptures uh, out of context, and with the good intent of saying that God 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 has some good for you, without just saying God has some good. That just sounds too simple. God has some good for you. <laughs> That's true, but it's just too simple. That's oversimplified. Um, so 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 Kanye understood that or believed that um, what he's experiencing now is simply God lining up, lining up the things in advance. You know, from beginning of him working with JC from the time he sketched the first shoe on paper to now it being worth a million and uh, a billion over a billion dollars or whatever and then there's a second statement that he states uh that Kanye makes that really caught my attention and um you know he he he's calling himself Jesus, Jesus, and he, there was a book of Jesus that was put out some time ago, uh, a couple of years ago. I did a show about that. You can go to the archives and and listen to that show that I talked about uh, the book of Jesus. But um, uh, he has a, a album that's coming out that's called uh, tentatively called Yandi, and. Um, this the 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 fact that he is integrating or alluding to his spiritual de- development his spiritual growth and development 
in his albums and in his music is is something that is is, is noteworthy. So, um, he's he's calling this this intensity a purpose. This intensity of awareness when it comes to his craft. He's calling this an uh, a radical obedience to Christ. And that well, let me put this this is what he's crediting it. He's crediting his radical obedience to Christ as the driving force behind who and what he is becoming and developing or putting out, producing. And it made me ponder what does he mean by radical obedience to Christ? Um, because a lot of what he's doing, you know, people would say, well, he's bipolar or he's got some serious mental issues and this is just, uh, <laughs> this is just a reflection of that. This is, this is the expression of his serious mental issues, mental health illness. And it's really not religious at all. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a serious Thing that needs to be addressed now and I counter that argument with the fact that for for many particularly in the black community when there was oppression as I stated earlier because of the oppression that they were experiencing religion was a way of escape and we see that not just in the development of the black Protestant traditions religious tradition or communities or anything like that uh, but we see it even in the slave in the times of slavery when they would meet, and even though they did not have at the time, in many cases they did not have organized religious factions, or they did not have they were not part of organized religious bodies, but they would meet, and in some way, even though they were from different tribes, even though they were different places in Africa, they connected with this sense of worship. They connected with this sense of that, hey, we are oppressed, but we still have to express this religious identity that we have. Even if it is not the same religious identity, we can express it this way. And they expressed it in the singing. They expressed it in the dancing. They expressed it in the spirituals. They expressed it even as they were working and being oppressed. They expressed it and it developed into our, our culture as african-americans so so out of it developed the blues out of it developed uh jazz out of it developed hip-hop out of it developed all kinds of uh the the spirituals and the dr watch that we sing in the church and so out of the it was out of the oppression that all of this was created and developed and it was an expression of the oppression that they were experiencing at the time and I know for a fact, but I, I, you know, I used to wonder why folk go to church so much. Why do church? Why do folks stay in church so long? Why? Why are we here every day? And in, in reality, for many people, uh, religious expression, church attendance, church engagement, church participation was a dopamine. It was. It was. It was a coping mechanism. And for some, it still is a coping mechanism. 
We come to church because we may not be feeling good through the week. And we're going to come on Sunday to get our feel good on. We're going to come to have church. We're going to have church. We're going to shout. We're going to sing. And if we don't shout, we're going to sing. And we're going to be in all of the experience of worship. But is that radical obedience to Christ? Is is acknowledging the fact that you are experiencing some type of emotional crisis, and that emotional crisis create uh, provides some outlet of creativity for you? Is that radical obedience to Christ? I bet to argue that it isn't, but Kanye is arguing that. It was this radical obedience to Christ, you know, the radical obedience to Christ saying that, telling me that, okay, you need to have these Sunday services and, and don't just don't, you know, don't just be preaching, don't be praying, but include all kinds of music and turn it into the music of your childhood that reflects your worship and your religious expression. And he did that and it's been prospering for him. But then again, he is a celebrity. He has a platform. <laughs> he has a platform for all of that to come across as prospering. He has a platform because people are going to want to be expressed as he expressed. People are going to say, okay, Kanye is expressing it this way. It must be cool. So if he's expressing it this way, I'm going to express it this way because Kanye is cool. And if Kanye is cool, I want to be cool. And I want to be cool like Kanye, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, so forth and so on. The average person doesn't have that platform. So what does a radical obedience to Christ look like for the average person? What should it look like? Does it mean fasting all the time? Does it mean praying all the time? Does it mean, you know, does it mean being a radical evangelist? Does it mean being a street corner preacher? What does, what does it mean? What does radical obedience to Christ mean? And what should be the fruit, the product of that? What should be seen as a result of an individual being radically obedient to Christ? I honestly don't know. And I would gladly take your your thoughts as to what you believe it to be. You know. So hit me up. Uh, share. Like. All of that. I'd love to know. What do you think it is? Is Kanye really crazy? Was he really on the verge of something unique, powerful and transforming, liberating, empowering? Or is it just another a way for him to stay in the spotlight? But what about those of us who are never going to have a platform like his? What are we to do? What are we to do? What should that look like? So I'm just presenting these questions. I, I, I don't have an answer. I believe it's all subjective anyway. You know, it is, it's, it's individual, it's subjective. But I believe once we move forward to a, a, a sense of community, we have a greater awareness of all of that. That that definitely would be radical if we can get that one accord, if we can be like those people in the upper room on the day of Pentecost when they had fully come. And all of one accord, I really believe we can, we'll see something powerful. 
But anyway, I have gone over my time. I really appreciate you guys listening and tuning in. Uh, again, I want to invite you to uh, visit all of us, visit us on all of our social media. We're available on Twitter at Zero Radio for the show. Uh, Lorenzo Neal for my personal um, Facebook page, Zero Network. Go there, like, and subscribe, uh, follow, and listen. Um, uh, also on the YouTube channel, go there, Zero Today, Dr. Lorenzo Neal YouTube channel. Go like, subscribe. And uh, listen to, you know, make sure you leave a comment, share, and all that stuff. We're going to do another video uh, upload soon. We have, I, I want to support, thank you, my supporters, uh, for supporting me on Patreon. If you are not a supporter on Patreon, you'd like to become a patron, simply go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal. And you can support for a little, as little as a dollar a month. And um, you help me do all kinds of things. Thanks to you guys because I, uh, my patrons have allowed me to be able to make some new purchases. And with these new purchases, and we'll be able to do broader things. And we're excited. So go be a patron and support us on that. And uh, go follow us um, if you have not done so. It's available. The podcast is available on all major podcast outlets, including iTunes, iPod, uh, uh, iPod Podcasts. <laughs> You can you can subscribe and you can listen there. So we appreciate everything, everyone. Go have a wonderful day. Be blessed. Dr. Lorenzo Neal is out.